Hi, my name is Callie, and on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people, I ask them all the questions I can think of, and then, hopefully, by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. Let's just be honest with ourselves. None of us really know what the date is. In fact, some of you are probably hitting your phone right now so it'll open up and show you the actual date. It's sometime in April. But let me be the first to remind you that Mother's Day is right around the corner. And while today a lot of us just kind of breeze through, buy some cards, buy some flowers, try to do something special, I've learned over the years that it's also a day that's extremely painful for so many those who have experienced great loss as mothers, those facing the at times endless road of infertility. I don't want to take the joy of Mother's Day away. I want us to still have that. But I've always struggled through how do you show women in pain how loved and cared for they are, particularly in this season. This episode is a story. It's a story of a lot of pain, loss, and uncertainty. But it's a story of hope. It's a story of the other side. And I think it will speak most to what no one tells us about loss as a mom. My friend Melanie speaks with such painful honesty, and I know many will relate to her story. So if you know someone who wants to maybe avoid this particular holiday or someone who has felt the loss that is a miscarriage or infertility, share this with them. Let this be how they know they're seen. Here's No One Told Me About Moms and Loss. All right, we are here today with my friend Melanie, who I met years. How long? When did y'all come? Over here in Knoxville. It has been six years. Has it been six years? October was six years. Yeah. Oh gosh, I didn't realize that. Well, I mean, I guess it was about six years ago when I got to meet you, and it was probably a few years after that that I got to partner with actually telling your story um, via video, and I had no idea the layers of your story until I had heard it for the video. And then when people started asking, a lot of people have been messaging about loss and specifically women who have miscarriages or lose their baby and how to navigate those seasons. Cause that's probably one of the biggest, no one told me moments of your life when you experience a loss like that. And it's like you said, we were talking about it before we hit record, Melanie. You said, it's not like I'm going to walk up to a woman who's pregnant and it's like, Hey, hope it doesn't turn out like it did for me. You know, like, <laughs> No, or, or you're getting married. Hey, hope your sins in divorce. Yeah, you know, great friend. day. Let's happen for <laughs> yeah. you. It's great. But that's why I wanted to invite you on here um, with us today, Melanie. It's just because you tell your story really, really well. So I'm excited for our Thank listeners you. to hear it. But let's let's start with just your basics, a little okay. bit of your backstory. Tell us about yourself, your family, the things you love to do, all that good stuff. Okay. Well, um, I am married to an incredible man named Chris. He is funny. And he loves Jesus. 
and he loves me, and he loves our little girl. We have a little six-year-old girl. Her name is Collins, who's in first grade. She is a mess. She's a little person all her own, but she's a great joy. As a family, we love UT football. My family is originally from Florida, and I even have, when I was moving to Knoxville, my brother-in-law's like, you ever go to Knoxville and you root for them balls? You're never welcome back at my home again. He's never been back, have you? Still haven't been back. <laughs> He has, he has had to learn to love me anyways, but we love, we do. We love UT football. We also love to do things together. Just even if it's watching TV or playing games, you know, Collins is finally at the age where she's learning how to play skip bow and play Monopoly. We haven't played that one yet with her. Ryan's a big fan of Monopoly. Oh my. It takes an eternity to play. I just, I get to be honest, we have it on the iPad and it's much easier to play. (laughs) That's the better way to do it. That's the better way. So then if it goes dead, game has to be over. Game's it. That's it. That's it. But it is fun watching Collins. Um, I think the best foundation for this episode specifically, because it is, it's, it is sensitive. It is. It's tough. And it's hard to navigate how to talk about it. But I want you to, Just start with simply sharing your story. Um, You tell your story so, so well. Um, So let's just start with when when marrying Chris and deciding to to start a family, and let's just take it from there and walk us down that road. Okay. Chris and I met in January of 2005, and we even got married in November of that same year. And I was a little older, and he was a little older, as you know, some would say. when we got married, I was 32, and so we decided to just enjoy being married for a little while before we wanted to think about having children. Um, so I was 34, really close to 35, when I found out the first time that I was pregnant. And we were really shocked that we actually were, because, you know, Chris, being a leukemia survivor, was told either you will be able to have kids or you won't. So we had no idea. So when we found out that we were pregnant, it was pretty exciting. And, you know, we went to the doctor early and saw a heartbeat. And, you know, it was about six weeks. And there's nothing like that sound in all of this world when you hear that tiny little whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. No, you you really can't. And it just is a feeling of like, oh, my goodness. Um, so, you know, we we left all excited. And then about eight weeks, I started showing signs of complication and went back to the doctor. And she's like, well, yes, I see these signs, but the baby looks good. Heartbeat's still really strong. Everything looks normal. You know, sometimes you can just have bleeding all throughout your pregnancy and it may be normal for you, but we'll just keep a close eye on it. And, um, just like come back in about two, two or three weeks is what the plan was unless things changed. And at some point in between that, that little heartbeat did stop beating. And, um, I ended up miscarrying about 10 and a half weeks when we miscarried and we miscarried at home and goodness, that's a night you never forget. You know, it was emotionally painful and very physically painful for me. It was three and a half very, very long hours of a lot of intense discomfort. And yet at the same time, you know, looking back now, I can see it as one of the most beautiful nights that God ever gave because I got to see the truth of his word come alive that night. You know, Zephaniah 317 says that he quiets us with his love and he rejoices over us with singing. And Callie, that's exactly what he did. I kept hearing in my head, in my heart, in my ears, blessed be his name, blessed be his name, singing in my head over and over and over again. And um, 
that morning when we got up and we were heading to the doctor and I knew things had finally, you know, stopped. It was felt like what contractions would be for three and a half hours straight. And, um, Chris goes, he started singing the rest of the song and, you know, to hear what the Lord was actually singing in my heart, you know, blessed be his name. He gives and he takes away, but my heart will choose to say, blessed be his name. And I thought, God, you are amazing. You know how to comfort my heart. And that song will forever be a very special, you know, thing to me, um, through all of that. But Chris and I decided that, you know, we had to wait a little bit and we thought, well, can always try again. Everything looked great at the first time and we got pregnant a second time. And, um, we didn't make it quite as long the second time, but we miscarried again, um, a second time and then a third time and then a fourth time. And, uh, you know, when you walk through it several times, you begin to wonder and you begin to think, God, what in the world are you doing? Um, with our fourth pregnancy, goodness, we were very, very early on and it was right after Christmas, right around the new, this time of year that we found out we were pregnant. We got a chance, got a chance to know a lady at a, um, local pizza shop in a town, the town that we were living in. She just, she would always ask us, Hey, how are you? How's the baby? How's it going? And, you know, she was super excited to hear about it. And we had to go in one day and we were having lunch and she's like, so how's the baby? And we're like, well, you know, we, we lost the baby again. And I can remember Jen looking at Chris and I, and she's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, she just wanted to put her foot in her mouth. And I'm like, Jen, it's okay. You know, you, you can't help what you ask, but you know, I was like, it's okay. I'm like, God is faithful and, and God is good. And she looked at me and Chris and she's like, I wish I could know God like that. And in unison, Chris and I were both like, Oh, but Jen, you can. Um, and through the, through our miscarriage, God allowed Jen and I to develop a friendship and she and I would begin to meet once a week. And she, you know, cause she said, God, I get, I can get the whole God thing. She's like, but that whole Jesus thing, I don't get Jesus. I, I just don't. And I said, well, how about you get to know him a little bit? And, um, in April of that year, she was reading through John three. We were reading it through together, especially when she got past where it talks about how, the darkness does not want the light at all, how it wants to hide away from the light. And she's like, that's me. That's got my name written all over it. She said, I'm like, well, Jen, what are you going to do with it? And she sat there in Panera Bread in April of that year and gave her heart and her life to Christ. And I believe with all my heart, you know, God took that little life, that little fourth pregnancy, which was very small, and said, well done, my good and my faithful servant. Um because that's what God does. When you lose a life and you lose a little one, it hurts. It hurts like nothing you can ever experience until you go through it yourself. Um, but God is always working. And God has got every moment, every day planned. And he doesn't change. And so, you know, it was easy at that moment to look back and see, wow, I've seen what God is working. I've seen what God is doing. Jen's life is forever changed. There's no, no changing her name out of God's book. That's forever. And God used my little boy or my little girl for that tiny little snippet that we had him or her here. He used her. And I believe, like I said, 
He took that little girl by the hand, the little boy, and said, well done, my good and my faithful servant, because that's what God does. He loves to use every moment and every life for his glory. We got pregnant again right around Mother's Day that same or later on that year. And um, the Thursday before Mother's Day, we had gone to the doctor's office and we had just been there the week before, had seen a great strong heartbeat and came back the next week. And he's like, Melanie, I'm so sorry. There's no heartbeat again. And Callie, that was a tough, tough moment for me. Here it was the Thursday before Mother's Day. And I thought, I can't do it. I can't go to church. I can't let my church family love on me again. And I feel this over and over and over again. With every hug was also a reminder of the loss that we had. And I just thought, I can't do it. Um, so I'd ask Chris to take us away. And God just, God is so good. He had such a specific plan um, for it. And we went to Sevierville and went to a church up here. The pastor's message that night was right after the feeding of the 5,000. Scripture says that immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Jesus knew what was coming. There was a storm. They were all about to be afraid. They were all about to be terrified. And that's what I felt in that moment. And, you know, I'm like, God, why in the world do you keep letting me get pregnant just to take them? Just stop. Oh, I'm good. If you want to tell me I'm never having kids, then okay. But God's like, no, Melanie, I made you get into that boat. I made you because I have a purpose and I have a plan. And if you look a little bit later in scripture in that same, you know, in the same section, Christ says, take heart. It is I. Um, you know, what had I just forgotten? I mean, they had just forgotten that 5,000 people had been fed with five loaves of bread and two small fish. I had just seen a friend of mine come to know Jesus. What bigger thing to celebrate in life is there than that? That's bigger than feeding 5,000. And I had forgotten. But God is not, you know, I love that he didn't condemn me in that moment and make me feel like, why did you feel this way? <laughs> yeah, he just reminded me, Melanie, I knew what was coming but I'm right here. Take heart. It is I. And all along, Callie, I never had a sense of feeling of don't quit trying. I always had the feeling of just God's got it. And so, you know, we, I didn't want to let fear to be the driving force. And so we ended up being pregnant again, six, seven, and lost six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. They did all kinds of testing. I think it's an absolute miracle that anybody is ever to have a baby ever. I mean, until you're beginning to walk through a journey of loss and you realize all of the things that go into one little life, the miracle of how a little boy or a little girl can be here, it, it absolutely blows my mind. But we found out we were pregnant an 11th time, and I have no idea what was different? I mean, we did everything was exactly the same. We medications were the same that I had to be on injections. And I don't know, God just had a very special plan. And I'm so glad. I mean, I can remember somebody telling me one time, don't you know what God's trying to tell you that you're not supposed to have kids. And I know the person meant well with that, but I never had any sense of peace to stop. You know, I think of how God said to Abraham, pack up your stuff and go. You know, I think that if I ever said that to my parents, that I'm just going to pack up and go with no place to go, with no job, with no income, I'm just packing my bags and going. They would look at me like I was absolutely crazy. 
You know, God just kept reminding me, Melanie, I told Abraham to go. This may not make sense to anybody else, may not even make sense to you, but trust me. And I never had a peace to quit trying. And I'm so thankful that I listened every step of the way to say, God, I'm just going to keep trusting in you. Because December 31st, 2012, <laughs> we I gave birth to our little girl. You know, and the doctors still say, what did you do different this time? And I'm like, not a doggone thing. <laughs> Nothing was different with this pregnancy. Collins is a healthy, happy, vibrant little girl. And goodness, she is an absolute gift. And Chris and I did lose more after Collins. We lost, um, when she was nine months old, we lost another one. And then her first Christmas, we found out right before Christmas we were pregnant again. And we were super excited. It was fun to, you know, give Collins the I'm the big sister bear to give to grandparents and, you know, kind of be excited. And we found out in January that we were pregnant with twins. <laughs> Shocked the living daylights out of both of us. Went back a week later and we had lost both twins. You know, for whatever reason, that loss was harder on Chris and I than any of the others. And, I, you know, I, I don't even know why it was, but I can remember thinking, God, why in the world? Why? You know, once again, asking that question, why? And I love the fact that I can ask him why. And he's never mad at me. It's okay for me to ask why. I may not always get the answer that I want, but he'll always give me the answer that I need. And that, and that's that he is good enough and that he provides. And so God gave me a chance to see, Melanie, I called those two little twins home. They are worshiping me. And so if anybody ever sees standing next to me and we're singing How Great Thou Art and you see a blubbering idiot, you're going to know why. <laughs> because it is a, but it's tears of joy. You know, it's, it's crying those tears of joy of saying, God has purpose. God has plan. And it's all for his glory. Um, doesn't always make it easy, but he does have a purpose in his plan. And we had, um, let's see here. So Collins was 11. We lost 12, 13, and then we miscarried again um, after that. And, you know, at some point I finally had a sense of peace to say that we were, we were done. And it wasn't because I was afraid. Definitely wasn't fear, but it just, the older I got, God just began to really change my heart. And then we went in to have my last DNC, and I just we decided just go ahead and tie everything off. We're do, we're done, and you know it was pretty pretty cool. We're laying there in waiting to go into surgery, and I asked Chris, Chris, we just play some praise and worship. And would you believe "Blessed Be His Name" was the very first song out of random play that came on to be played, and. You know, I feel like, okay, God, you know, I saw, I saw you work. I saw you work at the beginning. I've seen you work at the end. And I've seen you work a whole lot in between. People ask me all the time, oh, my goodness, how in the world do you process losing 15 children? It doesn't matter if it's one or if it's 15. If I had one thing, one thing that I could tell any woman, any friend, or even any spouse, you know, a husband of one who has lost, is Jesus is the same. He does everything exactly the same. You know, the first verse we taught Collins was Proverbs 35, and that says every word of God proves true. And that's it. You know, it's 
It's having that firm foundation to stand on and yet leaning in on the truth of his word over and over and over again, um, watching his word come alive, you know, coming alive with Melanie, take heart. It is I. I made you get into that boat. I know you don't like it. I knew the storm was coming, but I did it. And I'm here. And he does, you know, and it's um, when he says that he's our prince of peace, he really is. God is still writing our story. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I think, God, why, why me? But I don't have to know the reason why. I just know that he's he. He is who he is, and he does exactly what he says he's going to do every single time, and he never, never, never fails. Well, Melanie, you know, in that story, you said so many things that I want to bring back around. You know, one of them is you asked why. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people feel like there's just emotions that we push toward God, but rarely is it questions we ask of him. It's like we almost feel like we can't. And it, you said asking, you know, you love that you could ask. And I think about Moses in Exodus, and he is one of my favorite. His relationship with God is one of my favorite ones to read about because he questions God continually, right? <laughs> and God continues to use him. Like yep. He, at every turn, he's like, God, I don't want to do this. Why are you doing? Why are you doing this to us now? Why do we have to go do this? And every time, God is pointing back to His plan, His purpose, and His glory. And I'm doing this so other people can know who I am. Yeah. And I love that you pointed to that with your losses. And that's, that's a long road of grief to walk. You pointed out Mother's Day. And I think we forget about that a lot for the moms who have suffered losses. Um, and even losses they haven't spoken about. I oh, yeah. This miscarriages is the whole topic. Even the word is like, don't even say it. Don't talk about it. Don't breathe it. But it isolates the women in our lives and in our communities who are walking through it and don't know how to. We show up to any church or to any event, or the day itself. You don't have to go anywhere. You just know today is Mother's Day. You walk into the Target or the Walmart, and you see all these gifts for moms, and all you can think of is all that you lost. To take this just a step further, how did you navigate that grief? Every word of God proves true. And, you know, it all starts and it stops with Jesus. Um, You know, if there's somebody who is listening and they don't have a personal relationship with him, that's where it has to begin. Um, because he is going to be our only source of comfort. He is our source of joy. He is our source, you know, of hope. And for me, with the mixed feelings of those ups and those downs, um, honestly, it was just being truly honest with the Lord and just saying, this is how I feel in this moment. This is how I feel right now. And nine times out of ten, God would always take me back to a truth in his word. You know, I can remember with one miscarriage, I felt like we had lost our first and our second. And then my third one was a very strange pregnancy called a partial molar pregnancy. A DNC had to happen. And shoot, after having first two miscarriages at home, a DNC was a piece of cake. <laughs> and so when I was got pregnant the fourth time, and he's like, you're very early on. You'll be fine. We're going to do this at home. I was like... Uh, dude, you have this at home. <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of, <laughs> yeah, because the first two were really, 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 uh, physically, they hurt, they hurt a lot. And I had no desire to. And, um, in Psalms 18, I can't, when I look back at how many times I have written in my one Bible, miscarriage here, miscarriage here, miscarriage here, if God has taken me back to his word and let his word speak to my heart. But David is, 
talking and, you know, he says, by my God, I can leap over this wall. By my God, I can run against this troop. And God took that verse, which, I mean, it seems crazy. It's not exactly one you're going to memorize, you know, and have plastered on my, on your wall. And that's exactly right. But God was telling me, Melanie, by me, this wall of having another miscarriage at home seems insurmountable, but you've got this because you've got me. You can do this. By my God, I can. You know, it's like the verse you do that is knitted on the pillows. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But yet, that's the verse that God used for me. And so it's through those mixed feelings of emotions, being in his word to know what his word says and letting his word fill my heart, fill my mind, and then believing it. And my doctor was right. (laughs) It wasn't. Being that early on, it really wasn't that bad. And, and, you know, and I did do it, but I love the most that the verses that God gave me that I can look back, you know, and even says down in verse 30, I am strengthening your arms to bend a bow of bronze. You know, little did I know at pregnancy number four, how big that bow of bronze was going to be. Those mother's days, you know, I think that is a specific thing that you can speak to as well for the women who are listening, who you know, they've suffered the miscarriages, they've suffered the, the losses. I mean, even later in pregnancy and attach themselves to, mm-hmm. to their baby in a bigger way and then they lose it. And then they have to face Mother's Day or these, you know, like even the commercials, even I think about all the triggers that are out there. How did you, how did you find comfort on those hardest days? I guess I wanted, I refused to believe that I wasn't a mom. Does that make any sense at all? You know, I still can celebrate. I may not be able to hold that little life, but I'm still a mom. You know, I encourage those moms when they say, you know, all you mothers stand, stand up. You are still a mom. Every life is significant. Every little life. I don't care how short it was here on this earth. Every little life is significant. And it is hard. It is hard when people are like, oh, you mean you have kids? Because that will be the question that comes from the little lady sitting next to you. And you have to say, not here, but I do in heaven. You know, and there's there's joy in that. I don't find shame in that. You know, when I think back of when God took our twins home, it was, he called them home. He called the little life home. Wow, there's a lot of joy in that. There's no shame in that. I have many friends that I've had this conversation with that have shared that they're walking through a miscarriage in that moment or that they have been through one. And a lot of times it's in hushed tones. You know, I don't, I don't know how you're going to respond to this. I almost don't want to talk to you about it. Right. Um, and a lot of, some of that feeling comes from this sense of blaming themselves. <laughs> they look at their own body and they're like, this was my fault. Did you ever struggle with blaming yourself through that, through that journey. And how did you keep yourself from even going down that path? (laughs) I kind of laugh because I look back now and I think I cannot believe I actually really thought that, but Oh yes, I definitely blame myself. I can remember we had several pregnancies where we were pregnant in the fall time and traveling. We, we lived just South of Chattanooga. And so whenever we would drive back up to Knoxville to visit Chris's family, it was cold and I turned the seat heater on. And I'm telling you, I cannot tell you how many times I would say to Chris, honey, did I cook the baby? Is that what happened? Did I, did I boil the insides? Cause I like to be so warm. And you know, you think now it's like, oh my goodness, what a crazy thing to think. 
But that is what your mind does. You can't control, especially in any pregnancy period, whether you keep it or lose it. You almost can't help but to think worst case scenario every time. Oh, well, sure. Sometimes even now I feel like I have the tag of loss still hanging on me because, you know, that's what Melanie Morgan is supposed to know. I still, to this day, have to surrender. And I think that's a big part. It's surrendering Collins. Collins doesn't belong to me. Collins is his. Um, God can do with Collins whatever God wants to do with her because she belongs to him. And with each of those pregnancies, it's remembering this little life belongs to Christ. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a natural, normal thing for, I know that it was as silly as it seems to say I was blaming myself by having the seat heater on, you know, afraid that I was um, boiling our baby. Even in those things, it's those moments when I could get to go back and I can go back to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, you are in control. You know, what does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us? You know, trust in me with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me and I will make your path straight. So, you know, in those moments of... What have I done? The what if? You know, I didn't create that little life. I didn't do it. God did it. And, you know, if he can say, let there be light and there is light, the God of all creation can do the mighty thing that he did in creating the world. And then when I begin to feel that blame, I got to remember that somewhere along the way, I'm not trusting you know, and I'm wanting, I'm wanting to be in control because I want to change the situation or I want to fix it. And those feelings are going to come, but it's what I choose to do with them next. Does that make sense? Yes. And, you know, like guilt, that's only one of the emotions that I'm sure came yeah. on with you. You know, the what is, like you said, like, should, is it because I ate that? Is it because I didn't do this? Is it because I, oh, yeah. You know, it's all the questions that flood. And that's just one of the emotions that I'm sure tagged itself to you it did along the way i i i don't think it's a stretch to say there were tons of other emotions oh a roller coaster of them and the changes you had to go through i mean what was navigating that like i mean when you look back and there's women mm. navigating it right now what do you look back and want to say like hey this is how i did it but this is you know i mean what what well, was that? i think i think it's not being a not being afraid to admit this is how I felt. You know, I mean, I felt everything from excitement to disappointment to grief to anger. There were times I was numb. I mean, there were times I'm like, Lord, I can't even pray about this anymore. I'm just numb. I can't. I don't know what to ask you. Definitely a roller coaster of emotions. But I would say that if when I look back and I think about it, it's I got to have my feet planted on the rock of who Jesus is. You know, I've, I've said this verse before, but Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is an everlasting rock. And that's it. It's having my feet on that rock to say, okay, despite how I feel, this is the truth I'm standing on. You know, it's what we're trying to even teach Collins now is God's word is absolute truth. It's the only thing in this life that is absolutely true. And that will never change. And so that's what I want my life to be built upon, having our feet standing on that firm foundation to where when the storms come, 
we can stand firm. And it definitely was a wave of emotions that hit you when you go through miscarriages. Um, you know, some days are okay and other days you're not okay. And I think I had to tell myself sometimes these, these things are okay. But what am I, but what am I going to believe in the most? Am I going to believe in God and who he says he is? Or am I just going to believe and hold on to what I feel? I was talking with a friend. Um, she talked about having a DMC and there was a lot of fear going into it because she didn't know what that was. She didn't know what that meant. Yeah. She'd heard the, the letters together before. She didn't know what was going to happen. And so I remember this was months after it, but she went in and had, she came out and she said, you know, walking out of the hospital, I'm thinking, I should be walking out with a baby in my arms. Like, I thought when I walked out of a hospital after a surgery or after any any form of stay, I'm walking out with a baby in my arms. Instead, you're walking out empty. Yeah. And she said, I'm not, it's not that I'm just not walking out with a baby in my arm. I'm walking out with no baby at all, period. Like, I don't have anything. And she said it was just a feeling of emptiness. Yeah. And, but also the fear started sneaking in of, what if I never have a baby. What if this never happens for me? And I thought all along that it would. And that fear can slowly build and become bigger and bigger every time, you know, you see a plus sign on a pregnancy test. There's the fear of, oh, yeah. do I, am I keeping this one? Do I even get excited? Do I talk about it? Do I even bring it up to anyone? Or, you know, were you afraid that that fear would steal any joy you would have along the way? Did it get to a point for you that you're like, I don't even, I'm afraid to feel joy over this? Yes. Yes, you do. And I had a, a wise mentor who had gone through some miscarriages herself who would remind me, Melanie, enjoy being pregnant today. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but enjoy being pregnant today. I was fearful every time I'd go to the little girl's room, you know, uh, especially when I was pregnant with Collins you know, for nine months. I mean, every time you, okay, is this going to be it? Um, and it, you know, it's like you have to tr- choose to trust and to not be afraid. It's in, it's in those moments when fear come. It's going back to the one who we can trust. Um, but yeah, I was, I definitely battled with fear, but I refused to let fear win. You know, some people would say to us, you know, like I said, don't you know God's telling you you're not supposed to be having a baby? I would think, well, no, I can't say that anybody's telling me that, but I didn't want fear to be a reason that I quit because he is trustworthy. I may not have seen it, but I knew he was there. And so when those fearful moments come, it's like, what am I going to choose to do with that fear? Am I going to choose to let fear win? Or am I going to turn the fear over to the one who knows it all? You know, what does Psalms 139 say? All the days ordained for you were written in my book before one of them ever came to be. Every day. He knows what all of them look like. I don't have to be afraid of it because he already knows it. So if he knows it, then okay, Lord, here, here's my fear. And there were days, Callie, I mean, it was giving him my fear. Well, how many times did you go to the bathroom in a day? A lot. Especially when you're pregnant. Especially when you're pregnant. pregnant. Well, and I think about, too, the support you probably needed along the way. I mean, even after the the miscarriage happened, and I think a lot of us are unsure how to support. I think even maybe at times Chris 
you know, your husband was maybe unsure. And I think oh, that yeah. can be said for a lot of women that their spouse is, they don't know what to do because they, what can they do? What support did you appreciate the most? I think it all started with me being honest with Chris with how I felt. Me not being afraid of what I felt. Sometimes, you know, you, especially in church settings, I'm not supposed to be afraid. I'm not supposed to be fear. I'm not supposed to be angry. And yet those were very real, very true, very honest emotions with what I felt. And it looked different with everyone. You know, not everyone felt exactly the same. Every loss was completely different. But I know that Chris needed from me to be honest with him and be in, allowing our communication to be real, you know, and I, I couldn't expect him to respond the same way that I did. And he certainly didn't expect, you know, me to respond like he did either, you know, and sometimes it was just quietness that I needed. And sometimes I needed him to make me laugh. And sometimes I needed him to take me away. You know, we only did that one time. He took me away once, um, but that's what I needed. But I had to share with him, honestly, look, I can't go to church this week. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't care. I was honest enough to tell him, you know, how I felt at that moment. Um, and it was communicating with him. You know, if you're a wife and you're not for sure how your husband feels, it's tough for them, too. And they're going to handle it not like you do. I have seen Chris's emotion very few times throughout our losses. But I know the losses meant some hurt him as well as they did me. And I know that they meant something to him. Um, but we certainly didn't grieve and look exactly the same. And, and I think that's what you said is that you weren't afraid of your emotions. You weren't afraid if you were angry or if you felt guilt or if you felt fear. Because that's when they grow bigger. There's something about speaking them that takes away a little bit of power. Um, exactly. And, and when you speak them out loud, especially to someone that you know and love and trust, I think that's going to take the power away even more. Um, but when you isolate yourself and just sit in those feelings, I think that's when you start drowning a little bit. And I mean, I know a lot of women want to talk about their loss, but they don't know how to do that. I know for me, we talked about this before we even started recording, you know, I want to be that, but I don't know how to do that in a way that's actually helpful. I mean, what would you say to both sides? How can you make sure that no one is feeling isolated through this experience? You know, every woman is different. Everybody walks through emotions differently. And I think for the woman who has experienced the loss, it's you got to be willing to share. You know, Second Corinthians 1 says, verses 3 through 7 especially, but verse 4 says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You know, that is why I can talk about mine. Because I love sharing what God has done for me. I have seen God be so faithful. I have seen God work. I have seen God touch my heart in those broken places that nobody else could. I have seen God say, you know what, Melanie? It's okay that you can't pray to me. I still love you. I'm not mad at you. So, you know, for the woman who wants to talk about it, there are a lot of us out here. And unfortunately, in our society, it is a hard thing to talk about, you know. The world says you had a miscarriage. Well, get up, go, go to work tomorrow. Your life's just supposed to go on. And yet you're broken inside and you feel like, how can I get up and go? I'm hurting. I don't have an answer to how do you, you know, it's not like you wear a badge to church on Sunday. It says, Hey, baby loss right here. You know, <laughs> you know, we, we don't do that, 
But I think that as by doing things like this and letting our stories be known, being available, I mean, I would love to share what God has done. And I would love to be an encouragement if I possibly could to anyone who is hurting from like your perspective. I've not been there. I've not walked through it. What can I do to help? I think the biggest things that meant the most to me was when somebody would take the time to let me know my look, that little life that I experienced that I shared. I don't care for how long that they mattered, whether it was flowers. I think one of my favorites that I have is a Christmas ornament. It's just something that I can hold that I can look at at times and be reminded one of God's faithfulness, but two, that little life mattered. That is what encouraged my heart the most. Is that when, when moms are hurting, when we've gone through a loss, you know, we love that little life and it sure encourages our heart to know that it mattered to somebody else. I mean, it's again, it's the whole point of this podcast in and of itself is that you're not walking through a season. Someone hasn't already walked through. No. I mean, you're facing something that someone hasn't already faced. So what if we turned around and used hindsight to show you the steps that we took and came along beside you to show you the steps to take? Um, You're going to feel a lot of things. Yeah. It's okay to feel all of them. Yes. For as long as you need to feel them. Correct. I had a a friend in my small group who said, you know, it it happened months ago and I I feel like people look at me and expect me to be over it. That I should just move on and it's fine. And she said, I don't want to move on. I'm not there and that's okay. You know, and she doesn't have to. And you know what? When, if she's leaning in on the truth of who God is, God will take her where she needs to go. I had a friend who told me once, Melanie, you're going to have days years from now where some days are going to be harder than others and some days are going to be easier and it's going to be that way for the rest of your life. And that's okay. And that's just a part of loving, you know, that's a, that's a joy of loving that little life that God gave us, whether it was for two days, four months, nine months, or whether they're with us our whole entire life, you know, that little life is his. I still have days when I think about our miscarriages and our losses and it, and it hurts. And there's other days I don't think about it. Um, loss is hard, but God is good. You know, Melanie, I know that this conversation, it's probably always hard to share the story. You're so willing to do it, but I know that it has to be almost like taking a band-aid off over every time you tell the story. But I think that there's so much validation in knowing it's okay to feel that pain and knowing that there is a God who steps into that pain with you and says you don't have to live here in it. There's purpose to every life that, that you lost. And, and I love how you celebrate that they're with Him. That is where your joy is, is because you know where their joy is now, and it's in the presence of. Yeah, it is, and it. You know, I Collins was two one day, and I we were, we were somewhere with a friend, and um, I guess she was potty training. I don't know, but we were in a ladies' bathroom, and she's like, "Mom, do you got any brothers?" I said, "Well, Collins, you know, Daniel is my brother," and she's like, "I got a brother." I said, "Oh, you do, do you?" She. She goes, yeah, but he's up in heaven. And we had not really talked with her about our losses. And I mean, it just absolutely came out of nowhere. And I thought, wow, okay. But it's just those days that it hurts worse, days that it's, you know, days that it'll be good. Well, I just know that at the end of the day, there's always power in sharing your story. And there's always community to be found in sharing your story. Because like we said, you're not walking through anything that someone else has not walked through too. No, and that and people are not going to walk tomorrow. 
and the next day and the years to come. You know, we live in a sinful fallen world. This was not God's ultimate design when he created man and woman. He created us perfect and we chose sin. And because of our sin, we live in a fallen world and miscarriages are a crummy part of the fallen world. But he's so much greater than our losses. The cross in and of itself was a very ugly, cruel, horrible thing. But God used that ugliness for good. And it's just like he does in our lives. You know, he loves to use that hurt. I love the fact that I can say, I saw Zephaniah 317 come alive in my life, that I saw him and listened to him sing over me and quiet me with his love. I love that. I love that God used one of my little boys or my little girl to lead my friend Jen to a forever relationship with Jesus because people do live forever. I even have a friend now that her name is Jessica and I love her and she does not know Jesus and we talk frequently and often and God has used my miscarriages and her miscarriages as a connecting story that allows us to develop a relationship and a friendship that we've had ongoing since Collins was two. There's just there's power in letting yes. stories be used and a willingness to let yeah. God use your story, even if it's something that scares you to talk about, you're ashamed to talk about, or you're sad to talk about. I love how God uses those stories to redeem his people over and over again. But that's why I'm just so thankful you hopped on here with me today, Melanie, to talk through all of it with us. And, you know, we end every single episode with just one question, and it is, what are you so happy that someone did tell you about? I think I go back, and I I already kind of said it, but my friend Didi, who said to me, you're going to have days that it hurts, and you're going to have days that you're not going to think about it, and you're going to have days that it really hurts, and you're going to have that for the rest of your life. That encourages my heart because sometimes I want to feel guilty. Oh, no, I'm not feeling bad enough. And there are days that it does hurt. And it's okay that it hurts because who's my comforter? And there are days that I really hurt. You know, and he says, come to me, those who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, it's watching what God does. I've gone back to that so many times. I recently had a friend who lost her husband. You know, and she looked at me standing in her kitchen, and she's like, Melanie, how am I going to do this? When I took that same advice, you're going to have hard days and you're going to have other days that it's easier. And every one of those days and every day in between is okay because Jesus is the same. And I'm pretty sure by the end of this, I think you have probably quoted the entire Bible to us at this point. Oh, I don't know about that. Listen, being able to claim scripture over the lies, taking truth and pushing out the lies with that truth is one of the most powerful weapons you have. But Melanie, this was such a... uh, I know I've heard this story once before, but it had been years ago, and I just forgot the power in it and how God's graciousness just shines through it over and over again. So I'm just so thankful that you are willing to tell it and to to walk through those emotions again as you tell it. And I know a lot of listeners will find a lot of hope through it. If there's anything we have learned, it's been God's faithfulness. And God does exactly what he says he's going to do. Proverbs 35, every, not some, not part. Not the ones I feel, but every word of God proves true. And goodness, it's, it's, it's what has gotten me through every loss, every trial, every hope, every joy. And this what's going to carry me through elementary school, too. <laughs> Thank you. 
I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.